Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook. At Give it up for Josh for sharing. He's right here in the middle. I know that if you've come here for a long time, you probably wonder, um, because you didn't know, uh, oftentimes Josh will come down here uh, almost on a, on a weekly basis, uh, maybe every other week, he'll come down to the altar and he'll pray. Uh, and you probably are thinking, either that kid is really messed up, <laughs> or he's got something on his heart. And I want to tell you something, most of the time when he comes down on the altar, he is praying for his school, uh, a test he has coming up. Um, he, he, he shared with on the video and I'll share it with you. Uh, he, he had trouble testing, uh, in high school. Uh, and he is, he is wanting to do great things with his life. Uh, he is on, honestly one of the most dedicated young men that I've ever met. Uh, and he is, he will not, he absolutely, and I love this about him. He absolutely will not take no for an answer. He, he won't. And if he has to run into a brick wall 10 times to knock it down, he's going to knock it down. And that's what I love about him. And what I love even more about him is, is he doesn't have to tell anybody about it. He doesn't, he probably didn't even want to do the video. He, 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 he did, thankfully, but he probably didn't want to do the video. He doesn't walk around here and he doesn't, he, what he does is, is he keeps his head down. He works hard. And the biggest thing he does is, is he comes down here to the altar and he says, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm not enough, but you are enough. And I know you got this. And he's not afraid to, to, to take, get tutoring. He's not afraid to do all things to live out his dream. And so, Josh, y'all give him a hand. I'm so thankful for him. I really am. I really am. It's such a great, listen, it's such a great example of determination uh, and keeping your head down and working hard. Listen, we've been going through a series called Stories. And you just heard uh, Josh's story. The Bible in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this. It says that, uh, that, that Jesus is the author and perfecter. Uh, and it says, therefore, and we always say therefore because you have to go back to chapter 11 to see what therefore is therefore. And uh, today, the topic we're going to talk about, you find him, the guy we're going to talk about today, you find him in Hebrews chapter 11. But here's what it says. Here's what it says. Can we go to verse 2, Lynn? Here's what it says. It says, looking unto Jesus. And then it says this. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Other places say this. They say he's the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, the author means that he is the originator. And I want you to understand something. And I've said this, I'm going to say it every week. Whether or not you identify him this way, whether or not you identify him as the originator, it's what the word means, the author, the originator, whether you identify him as the originator or not, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Now, it matters for your life, but as far as God goes, it doesn't matter whether or not he is the author of, of he's the originator of your life. He's the originator of your story. And then it says the perfecter, and the perfecter means this. It means someone who has come and has given us an example of how to walk out our life. And so God, Christ, Jesus himself is the not only the originator, but he also, he also is the perfecter. 
perfecter. He is the example. So therefore, we have these three things, and I'm going to keep putting these up there every week. Our story originates with God, and God has provided an example for how to walk out our story. And here's the third one. God provided a guide, which is Holy Spirit, along the way. And so today we're going to see that in the story we're going to look at from Judges, the book of Judges. Now you may say, where, you know, what's the book of Judges? Let me tell you what Judges is. Judges is a book that is telling the story between when the Israelites has taken the promised land and they're working and battling for the promised land. And they begin to be a kingdom. That's what judges. There were 12 judges in the book of Judges. Judges were people that were not necessarily elected. They were people that were elected by God to be prophets and to do great things at different times. Various various people uh, in, in the book of Judges rose up. Some people that you may not think would do it, but they did. They rose up and they led, they led the people of Israel. Now at this particular time... There was something going on in Israel. And here's what was going on. You had these people called the Midianites. All right. Remember last week when I said the, you know, Kenizzites, Hizzites, Hittites, Megabites, all that kind of stuff. They rose up and they kept coming in and attacking the people of Israel. And here's what they would do. They would come in and they would steal their, their offerings. They would steal their wheat and their grain. They would steal all of their food and they would take it back. And they did this over and over and over again. And so when we come upon the story that we're coming upon, we have the Israelites who are getting taken advantage of. They're taking all the food from them. And so here's what the Israelites would do. The Israelites would actually take their food and instead of doing the crops out in the field, they would take the crops, go and hide the crops and go to what's called the threshing floor and they would hide in the threshing floor so that the Midianites, when they came in, wouldn't be able to find them. And that's when we meet a person named Gideon. And here is where the story picks up. Starting in Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 12. Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 12. All right, so I'm going to back up. No, I'm not going to back up. I'll I'll just go with what we have. I'm going to back up to verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Orpha. Now, I want to tell you guys something. The the word Orpha is spelled O-P-H-R-A-H, and this is the true story. Oprah's mother named her after that, but she got the spelling wrong, and so her name is Oprah instead of Orpha, and that's a true story. And that's free, by the way. has nothing to do with the message today. Zero. Zero. I just thought it's something you could tell your friends at lunch so that you can have a good conversation. Which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat, there he is, at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And then here we go. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said this, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Can I tell you guys something? Gideon did not feel like a mighty hero. He didn't. Think about that for a second. You're being attacked... And instead of going out, and man, you can definitely jive with this. Instead of going out and saying, no, bro, you're not going to attack me anymore. No, I'm not taking this anymore. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to hit you right in the forehead, and we're going to go straight at you. He wasn't doing that. He took his grain, and he went and hid in the wine press in the bottom, in the threshing floor. And he, all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears and says, mighty warrior, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, 
Me? Are you talking to me? Mighty warrior. I think you've got the wrong person, angel of the Lord. I think you do. Sir, getting replied, if the Lord is with us, why is all this happening to us? And where are the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Now, let me just say something about that. I don't know if you guys, there's two kinds of people in the world, complainers and those that get things done. All right. And at this point in the story, Gideon is a complainer. He is. There's complainers and there's those that get things done. How many people know a complainer? If you don't know one, you are one. All right. You're it. All right. Sorry to burst your bubble, but you're it. Um, So immediately, you know, I mean, the first thought I would have if an angel of the Lord appeared to me and called me a mighty warrior would not to be like, but why is all this stuff happening to us? I mean, why? I wouldn't say that. I probably would say me, but I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't complain. And that's exactly what he was doing. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, he said, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Now, I got to be real with you guys about something. And I've never told Josh this, but when Josh told me that he wanted to be an engineer, my first thought was, was... Really? Are you sure you want to be an engineer? Because I have trouble spelling engineer. And I knew of his testing issues, and I was like, really? Really? And Gideon was like, really? Me? You want me? But, but how can I do that? I, I'm, I'm from the weakest clan of all. I, I can't do that. I can't do that at all. And he said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. We see the story continues in Judges chapter 6, verse 25. In Judges chapter 6, verse 25, it says this. That night the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, pull down your father's altar to uh, pull down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on the on the hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar using the fuel wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord has commanded. But he did it at night. You hear me there? Are you with me? He did it at night. Okay. You got that? Because he was afraid of other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. In their place was a new altar that had been built, and on it were the remains of the bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around and making a a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. 
And then we see as it goes on, bring out your son, the men of the town demanded of Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and cutting down the Asherah pole. But Joash shouted to the mob and confronted him. Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will put, be put to death by, by morning. If Baal truly is a god, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. From then on, Gideon was called Jerubabel which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. They would build these altars up, these large altars. We see a little snippet of this when Moses, whenever Moses went up on the mountain and they made this golden calf. So they built this this altar to Baal. Now Baal was the false god. He was the false god. There was many gods. Baal was one of the most powerful false gods. From Baal, we get the word Beelzebub, which means devil, which means Satan, Beelzebub. But the, the, the Baal, and they had an Asher pole. So the Asherah pole was another one of their false gods and they raised it up. And so you had this altar and this Asherah pole. And so what Gideon did is he went at night. <laughs> he went at night. He's not quite bold enough yet, but he went at night. He, he took down the altar and took the from, from the wood of the Asherah pole. He basically cut it up, threw it on there, did the burnt offering. And everyone knew who he worshiped. And he found the strength to do so. He found the strength to do so. You know, The message today is part of our story series, but it also is directly related to some of our students here. Some of the students that will be going off to school, some of the students that will be going to trade school, some of you guys will be going to work. Here's what I want to encourage you today. I have a couple of things I want to encourage you with, but today's message is for you. And mom and dad, it's for you. And aunt and uncle and grandmother and grandfather, it's for you as well. It really is. It's for all of you. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this clearly. There's three things that I think that we can learn from this story. There's three things that I think we can learn from Josh's story, you know, that kind of parallel the story that we're talking about here. Here's the first thing. And I want you to hear this and everybody's going to start shaking your head because you know it's true. Great things often happen outside of our comfort zone. As a matter of fact, I believe all great things happen outside of our comfort zone. Can I tell you guys something? It is very difficult to do great things in your comfort zone. It is. It's very difficult to do great things in your comfort zone. Some of the greatest movements, I would say all of the greatest movements that have been done in our history have been done because people were tired of the status quo and they were taken out of their comfort zones and they were put in a situation where they had to make a decision. You know, there's parents here today And I'll be one of them next year, by the way. There's parents here today, though, that are worried about your kid. You're worried about your kid when they go off to college. You're worried about when they go off to college, what decisions they're going to make. And some of you may be tempted to want to protect that. You'll be, because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to protect your kids. Can I tell you something? Listen, you have done your jobs. You have done your jobs the best you can do. And now it is up to your kid to decide which way they're going to go. You have to allow them to get out of their comfort zone. And here's the the thing, parents. You have to get out of your comfort zone as well. I know the feeling of how, how it is. I've sent my daughter off to school how it is whenever you have to leave them there and you have to drive away. I know that feeling. 
I know the feeling of having to wonder. I wonder what they're doing now. I wonder what they're doing now. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just like you had to get out of your comfort zone in life, they too have to get out of theirs. If not, you will continue to get the same thing that you get over and over again. And I want to tell you something. Their life will not be fulfilled. Their life will not be fulfilled, especially if they're allowing God to write their story. Can I tell you something? God never wrote anyone's story for comfort. Are you with me? He wrote the story for his purpose. He has called Gideon out. And I gave the example today of Josh. He, had, he wanted Josh to do a certain thing. I, I Listen, Josh said he cried when he was getting ready to go off to school. I know that for a fact. I didn't see him cry, but I know it for a fact. I know it for a fact. I also remember the day that I was sitting in the car and his mom called, called uh, uh, Miss Stephanie called Wendy. It's like, I just had to tell somebody. I have to tell somebody. Josh passed the ACT. He's, got, he's getting accepted into Kennesaw. He doesn't have to go a different route. But here's the cool thing. Even if he had to go the different route, he was going to Kennesaw no matter what. Even if he had to go a different route. But he was getting out of his comfort zone. Students, I want to tell you something. You're going to be getting out of your comfort zone. And here's the thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to get out of your comfort zone. You know, uh, you guys heard up here a while ago, Dan was up here leading worship, and I did not ask him if I could share this because he just said no, so I'll share it anyway. But Dan, Dan, was, Dan, was, uh, D- Dan was up here, and Dan and I have been friends for a long time. And, and Dan, Dan uh, I, I went to church with Dan at a previous church, and, and Dan was never really given opportunities at that church. He never was. He always had this thing in him. He always wanted to do this, but he never was really given an opportunity. And so... So once, once, we, once we founded the church here and, and he, he started coming up, we started watching him grow and watching him grow, not, not just in his musical abilities and his talent, but also in his spiritual life. And we watched him grow and watched him grow. And I got to be honest with you guys, he puts in so much practice up here every week, but I'm going to tell you something. Every week he steps up on this stage, every week and he sits in this chair or stands behind this mic, he is out of his comfort zone. He is way out of his comfort zone. He is. He is. He's a perfectionist like me, and he is out of his comfort zone. And God is growing him and growing him and growing him and growing him. And he is his provision. It's an amazing thing to watch someone who gets out of their comfort zone. It's amazing. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but um, you guys know when you go home, like, like you, 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 it's been a long day, and you probably do this this afternoon. You know, you guys are going to go out to lunch or whatever, and then you go home. Now, most people, when they go home, they don't leave the same clothes that they wore to church. Some of our people may because we dress kind of casual around here, okay? But most people, you got that pair of shorts and that T-shirt that you're going to get in, right? Are you with me? Are you with me? You got that pair of shorts and that T-shirt you're going to get in. Those shorts and T-shirt can walk themselves to the, to the dirty clothes, all right? Let me just say that. They, you have worn them so much that you, there's an imprint of your whole body. You, are you with me? You've got that. It's that evening time. Get on some comfortable clothes. Sit on the couch. Hang out. You know what I'm saying? You're dressed to do that. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? That is the time for comfort. All right. That's the time for comfort. Sitting at home, hanging out. But let me say something. And people will disagree with this. They say, oh, you haven't seen me take a nap. Nothing great ever happens sitting there on the couch hanging out, right? I mean, nothing of any substance. Yeah, you can have good conversations, and that's great. Family time is awesome. But as far as something meaningful, like you're part of your story, some huge destiny, 
Nothing really great happens there. That is, you know what that is? That is a replenishing time when you're sitting at home. You're sitting at home and you're being replenished. And what are you being replenished for? You're being replenished to go out and do great things for God. That's what you're getting replenished for. But that time is you're being replenished. I love going to the beach. I really do. Now, I am white as Casper the ghost, okay? And if I'm at the beach, you'll see me from a mile away. You'll be, there'll be a white orb just glowing, okay? And after a while, it turns into a red orb, all right? And then, I, and then I come home. That's what happens. I go from white to red to the house. That's what I do. And so I love going to the beach, though. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even though oftentimes when I go to the beach, I'm like, man, I'd love to live here. First couple days there, I'm like, man, this is so awesome. And maybe, you know, one day I'll live at the beach, but I'm like, you know, I love. But after about day five or six, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of ready to go home. I'm kind of ready to see these crazy people at the church. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of ready to see my house and sleep in my own bed. And I'm kind of ready to come home. And so that's what I do. We come, we come home and I get ready for the next thing. But see, that time is for replenishing. I'm not supposed to necessarily live my whole life there. Now, some people can do that, and that's great. But for me, that's a replenishing time for me. It's in my comfort zone. But we are called to be out of our comfort zone. That was nice. It scared the poo out of me. I was like, (laughs) I'm listening, God, and the mic is there. So, But anyway, listen, our comfort zones are for rejuvenation. They're not where you're supposed to live. They're not where you're supposed to live. A lot of us think that we want a life of comfort, but the truth of the matter is, is that a life of comfort equals a life of boredom and very little meaning. That's what it is. Can I tell you what I want? I want a life of meaning. I want a life of meaning. I want a life that impacts somebody else. I want a life where I feel like I'm being used. I want a life where God is is doing everything he can. I want to max out 110%. I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and and he's, uh, let me say, he's a little long in the tooth. I'll just put it that way. But uh, I was talking to him, and he's still working, and his wife can't get him to stop working. He still works two days a week. And it's like his wife can't get him to stop working. And I said, listen, I looked at his wife, and I said, listen, he is going to get up one morning, shower, go to work, start doing a training and a presentation, kill over dead, and you're going to bury him. That's how it's going to happen. Because he wants to live a life that's fully maxed out and fully full of purpose. That's what he wants. That's who he is. He can't change that. Listen, great things happen outside of our comfort zone. Students, I want you to listen to this too. In order for God to fully write your story, and this is a big one, your idols must fall. All right? Your idols must fall. Your idols must fall. In the case of Gideon, the first thing that needed to happen was that that God of Baal and that Asherah pole needed to fall. It needed to come down. It needed to come down quickly. And the same is true for us. Here's what Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 says. Exodus chapter 20 says, You must not have any God but me. I want you to listen to this. You may be thinking, I don't have any God. I'm not building some kind of altar to Baal. I'm not doing that. There's not an Asherah pole beside me in my house. You know what I mean? I don't even know what an Asherah pole is. I don't even know how to build one if I wanted to. I'm not building any kind of, of course, of course I'm not going to have any other God. Well, I got bad news for you. The Bible calls an idol anything that you raise up higher than God. Anything. Anything that you raise up higher than God. 
anything. We're to seek first what? The kingdom. And all these things are added. And anything that you raise up higher than God, be it money, be it how you look, be it what other people think about you, anything that you raise up higher than God, the Bible defines as an idol. And before God can write your story fully, you have to tear down that idol. And here's the truth. People are sitting in churches all across America, and they come to church to sing, but they don't come to church to worship. And they come to church to hear, but they don't come to church to do. And they're leaving out, and they have the same idols that they brought in. They do. Now, we can't see them. We can't see them. I was in, I was in uh, South America on a mission trip, and, uh, and there was this guy there who gave his life to Christ, and we went down to the ocean, and it was so weird because he had this bag. And I looked over at our missionary friend, and I was like, hey, I'm just asking, what is that guy doing? And he was taking wooden things out of the bag, and he was throwing them into the ocean. I said, what is he doing? He said, he has had those idols in his home, and he is literally cleaning out his home of all idols and only worshiping God. And he was chunking them in the ocean. That's what he was doing. Can I tell you guys something? That's the same thing we need to do. We need to do. Some of us, some of us have this as an idol. What other people think about me? What other people think about my parenting skills? What other people think about my kids? Whether or not my kids will be successful. Whether or not my kids will make it. How well my kids do in sports. How wealthy my my wife and I can be. How wealthy my husband and I can be. What kind of house we can have. What kind of car we can drive. And we raise those things up over God. And the amazing thing is, is that most of the time, all of the time actually, it's God that gave you that kid. It's God that gave you that house. It's God that gave you that job. It's God that made you look like you do. It's God, I could go on and on and on. And we raise up, here's what, here's what Romans 1 says, we raise up the created over the one that created it. But I want to tell you something. You have to, you have to get rid of idols if you want God to write your story. If you want God to write your story. Here's what 1 John 2.16 says. 1 John 2.16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. And here you go. These are not from the Father, but where are from this world? 1 John 2.16 defines it as physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and our possessions. Here's the truth. Many of us have things in our life that we put higher than God. And in order, in order for you, students, in order for you, parents, in order for you, grandparents, in order for you, in order for you to allow God to write your story, you have to put away those idols. One of the reasons why I love in the video that, that Josh said that he cried before going off to school was because it shows an honesty. It shows an honesty. I remember, I remember being so nervous. I, I tell you guys all the time, I crammed four years of college into 10. 
All right. So, but when I first went off to college, I, I went off to school and I remember, I remember, I thought I had it made, man. I was going to university in Memphis and I was dating this girl and we were going to get married. And I sure hope she's not on Facebook listening to this, but um, she dumped me. She's the only girl ever to dump me so far. I'm, I'm hoping that Wendy doesn't dump me. And uh, so, so, so far I've been dumped once. I'll report back if it happens again. All right. So, but, uh, but uh, man, I had everything going for me and all of a sudden God took all that away and it was just me and a one bedroom apartment and school. And I didn't know anyone. And you know what I was? I was miserable. And I remember being so emotional that I sat in my apartment and I cried. And I remember thinking, man, I don't want anybody to ever know this. I don't want anybody ever to know this. What was that? It was God stripping things away. You were called real church. You being real with God. He had to bring me down so he could build me up. And some of us, some of us have idols to get rid of. Here's the third thing. and Here's the final thing. I want you to listen to this. God's presence is all we need to live out the story. That's it. All you need to live out your story is God's presence. I heard somebody say this one time and I love it. All it takes All it takes is a little bit, just a little bit, of a push from God. He just needs to breathe your way. That's all all you need. You don't need him to necessarily move mountains, but you know what? Just, and he can move a mountain in your life. It is. All the things you're frustrated about, all the things that you're worried about, all he has to do is breathe your way. His presence is all you need to write your story. That's why in the scriptures, in the book of Judges, chapter six, when Gideon said, how in the world am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? He says this, God will be with you and you will fight as if you're only fighting one man. Now, the rest of the story, go read the rest of the story because it gets gooder and gooder. Okay, it does. Read the rest of the story. It gets much better because you see that Gideon thought he needed all this huge army and all he needed was a couple hundred men. And it's an amazing thing. And you too, all you need is God's presence. It's all you need. Get out of your comfort zone. Give up your idols and accept God's presence. I promise you he's going to write your story. I promise you. I promise you he will. Let me pray over you guys. Lord, thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you that you are... You are writing our story, Lord, that you are writing our story in such an incredible way. God, I'm I'm so thankful for, uh, I'm thankful for the story of Gideon. I'm thankful for the fact that he is an example of someone that didn't believe in himself, that someone who literally, the more they got going, the more they got going, the more his, the presence of you he felt, all of a sudden he got strong and powerful to the point where he is looked at as a hero of the faith in Hebrews 11. I'm thankful for Josh's story. I'm thankful that he shows what an overcomer looks like in the most humble way possible. The most humble way possible, you can see that. God, let us be people. Let us be people that literally and figuratively put down our idols. Let us be people that aren't afraid to get out of our comfort zone. God, in order for us to live a life of value and purpose, we've got to get out of our comfort zone. Let us be that. And God, as we do that, as you've already promised in your word, as, you, as we do that, I pray that you, that you would, you would make your presence known in our life. And that's what we need and that's what we want. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and sing our final song and then we're gonna recognize our graduates today. Let's stand up and let's sing.
Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.